It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. To, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The idea that we're going to send in offensive equipment and have planes and tanks and trains uh, going in with American pilots and American crews, just understand, and uh, don't kid yourself, no matter what you all say, that's called World War III, okay? Let's get it straight here, guys. That old expression, don't kid a kidder. And today, today I'm announcing that the United States will be sending 31 Abram tanks to Ukraine, the equivalent of one Ukrainian battalion. Secretary Austin has recommended this step because it will enhance the Ukraine's capacity to defend its territory and achieve its strategic objectives. Welcome to Truman's Town Hall with your host, Matt Truman. This is Matt Truman, and you're listening to Truman's Town Hall. Who had World War III on their 2023 bingo card? I did because I've been reporting on the Russia-Ukraine front and NATO and China and all this stuff that's going on. I've been reporting on this since at least... November 15th, 2021, before the invasion even happened, you heard it on Truman's Town Hall, episode 109, World War III, Russia and Ukraine, Poland and Belarus, China and Taiwan. That's the episode. So in episode 109, I give a bit of a background of that region. I talk about things that were happening in the news at the time. Now, we went from, you know, debating on whether to send helmets to Ukraine and looking at the Azov Brigade and looking at all these different things to now we're sending tanks from multiple armies, including the M1 Abrams tank. What's next? Fifth generation aircraft? Oh, boy. So there's a lot of people speculating, like uh, that weapons inspector guy, Scott Ritter. Look, I respect the guy. I don't know the guy, right? But um, I respect his opinion. But there's one thing I'll disagree with him on. He's His suggestion is that 
there's no way these tanks are going to be operable right away once they're delivered to the region because it takes at least 22 weeks to train on these tanks for a tank crew to get inside, right? The Leopard tank from Germany is one, and the M1 Abrams from us. And from World War II, we know the Germans know how to build some doggone tanks. They're pretty pretty good engineers. But what Mr. Ritter is speculating is, is they won't be able to operate it. Here's my thought on it. They're already training tank crews, or they wouldn't have said this publicly. That's my thought on it. I was only a sergeant in the Army, right? I, I'm not privy to any of, any of information outside of what I believe and the training that I've had. But I do know from being a student of history, having a limited military background, that there's already tank crews being trained before, that's my thought, before they send them over there. So they're going to be ready to roll as soon as they go in, or there's going to be NATO soldiers inside those tanks, much like there's already NATO soldiers over in Ukraine directing or helping direct, right, advisors that we don't know about. Folks, we're in... (laughs) We're in it for the long haul. So how does Russia react? Allow me to speculate on that. There's a couple different avenues that Russia can use. Russia cannot win a war against NATO, even with their allies. This is my opinion. They would never be able to win a war against NATO. I think it would be... um, world annihilation nobody wants that i don't think you know there's a lot of talk about nuclear weapons it's possible i'm not putting that out of the realm of possibilities but i don't think we're gonna see nukes right off the bat i think we're gonna see something a little more technological happen perhaps a big, big, massive cyber attack. Listen, folks, the United States southern border is wide open. If you don't think Russia's been sending in spies through that southern border to set up some kind of an operation, you're probably solely mistaken. There's folks here right now in the United States ready to carry out an order And it has to be done in a way where it can't go back on Russia because then that will really spark the Great World War III. Now, be prepared for all-out escalation. uh, I hope you are. Stock up on food, water, medicine, ammunition. Definitely. Definitely do that. And if you don't need it, you got it to use. What's the big deal? If... You are in the United States, that is, because most other countries, you can't stock up on ammo. Um, And it might be that way here soon. Anyway, I digress for some. So here's something that I just saw. President Donald, the former president, Donald Trump, just put out this statement that I thought was interesting, and I want you to hear it here first. Under Joe Biden, the world has become vastly more dangerous 
And there is no greater danger than the deadly menace of nuclear weapons and hypersonic missiles. Hypersonic missiles move at many times the speed of sound and six times faster than current missiles. Armed with nuclear weapons, they could annihilate entire cities and even countries within minutes. And we cannot let this happen. If you take a look right now, the nuclear word is being mentioned all the time. This is a word that you're not allowed to use. It was never used during the Trump administration, but now other countries are using that word against us because they have no respect for our leadership. World War III would be a catastrophe unlike any other. This would make World War I and World War II like very small battles. The best way to ensure that such a conflict never happens is to be prepared with unmatched technology and unrivaled strength. To this end, when I'm commander-in-chief, which we did an awfully good job at rebuilding our military, we rebuilt the entire military, once again, I will work with Congress and our great military leaders, not the ones you see on television. I don't consider them leaders, but we're going to work with them to build a state-of-the-art next-generation missile defense shield. Just as Israel is now protected by the Iron Dome, a dream once thought impossible, America must have an impenetrable dome to protect our people. We worked with Israel to develop that dome. They relied on us, not just them, they relied on us. We have technology that's unsurpassed, but our past leaders haven't really wanted to use it. I rebuilt our military at a level that nobody thought possible, but we have to now go that further step. We must be able to defend our homeland, our allies, and our military assets around the world from the threat of hypersonic missiles no matter where they are launched from. Our adversaries must understand that they, not the United States, will be totally destroyed if they ever dared to launch missiles against our homeland. The Space Force, which was inaugurated under my leadership, will have a very vital role to play. It was such an important thing we did. The Democrats fought us all the way, but we got it passed. First time in 79 years, a new force. Just as I rebuilt our military, especially our nuclear capabilities, I will build the shield to defend America from missile attack. We will have a peace through strength. And that's what we had, and we had no wars during the Trump administration. We had no wars, remember that, because we were strong, the other side knew it, and they didn't want to play games, they didn't want to mess around. Thank you very much. President DJT put that out on 27 November, 27 January 2023. Now, here's my thing with that. He's saying, I did this, I built this. I built that. Whose money did he use? He didn't use Trump money. Right? Maybe a little bit, right? (laughs) Maybe a little bit. But he used our tax dollars to build all that stuff. And we continue to fund the government. And that money continues to funnel over to Ukraine. Here's here's a question I have. I, I I know there's a lot of folks that listen to this that love Trump. I I like him, right? But I still look at President Trump as Operation Warp Speed. And I was really angry with him about that. 
and I don't think he's come out. I think he's going to have an uphill climb. He's that's like his first video I've saw that he's started to he's starting to campaign a little bit, right? And I he's going to have an uphill climb. Look, I want somebody strong on def- defense, not offense. Not sending tanks to Ukraine. I don't want that. We don't need any more wars. Proxy wars. We're fighting one right now with with the Biden administration. We are definitely fighting a proxy war in Ukraine. And it's escalating week by week, minute by minute, day by day, hour by hour, second by second. Melissa, I could go on. Sorry, I won't. I won't drone on. So anyway, I wanted to bring you DJT with his first campaign speech. I, I call it that. I mean, there were some good things that he's, he did, right? He did plan things with his team, right? There's a team behind him. You know, give, give some credit to people. I, I don't know. That just it bothers me that he doesn't give credit to a lot of people. He'll, oh, that's a good guy. J.D. Vance is, you know, he was a a-hole, and now he's, he's good in my book. I mean, all this stuff, it just drives me insane. I don't know. Well, if you haven't stopped listening by now, uh, let's let's move on. Let's listen to a few news reports about Russia's propaganda machine is moving into high gear as the war in Ukraine nears its first anniversary. Vladimir Putin's shameless supporters in state media are making a mockery of Western weapons. Not everyone's buying it. CNN's Nick Robertson reports. Toothless cats battered Abrams, he says. The Russian state media anchor points to a huge graphic alleging flaws in the NATO tanks. His purposeful propaganda playing down risks to Russian troops in Ukraine does seem to be working. Sending tanks is going to be bad for the Americans and Germans, she says. We're going to win regardless, Sergei tells us. It's just enlarging the conflict. If we pull out, the West will put more pressure on us. But not everyone buys the state TV hype. Putin has killed off independent media, but not independence of mind. This young film student tells our team a friend was drafted and deployed but has now disappeared. I'm for peace, she says. It's very sad. People are dying. I'm on the verge of tears here. I don't know if it's true or not, or what's going on in this war, this lady tells us. But I do know people who've been killed. Some of them are friends. All emotions the Kremlin likes to prey on. Around the capital, air defense systems have been lofted atop government buildings. The less than subtle message, Russia's under threat. It's leverage Putin needs to drum up more recruits for the increasingly unpopular meat grinder that is Ukraine's frontline trenches. In more primetime Putin propaganda, Yevgeny Popov pops a pun for the audience, tells them the German Leopard 2 tanks will burn very nicely. Another Putin acolyte, the insanely popular Vladimir Solyovyov, asked the audience, after all this, isn't Berlin a lawful target? 
Such is the stitch-up in Russian media. Putin is able to spin almost any message he wants. His TV puppets serve farce and fear in equal measure. But even that's not going down so well with some. Everyone is listening to Solovyov's opinion, this lady says, but it would be good if the experts started expressing their real opinions instead of obeying orders from Putin. What's real is anyone's guess, and for some that means tuning out. This lady tells us she doesn't know about the tanks when we ask her opinion. I think that this is a political war and not a war for the people, this lady tells the team. What are we supposed to do, she says. Our opinions mean diddly squat. Okay, that was CNN. But that's probably the smartest gal in Russia. Because I agree with her. In Russia, your opinions me diddly squat. And for all of us in NATO, the United States, Germany, Estonia, Latvia, our, our, the people's opinion doesn't matter. Let's talk about the United States. Was Congress asked about sending tanks? No, we're just going to do it per executive order was, uh, I'm sure Congress would go along with it. We, I mean, I live in a district, House District 10, Mike Turner, who's now the chair of the Intelligence Committee under Kevin McCarthy's leadership. Uh, he loves funding this Ukraine, pumping that war machine. Boom, 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 boom. Let's do that, baby. Boom, boom, boom. But she was right on. And and you hear, that was CNN. So, you know, you hear their commentary. You hear their opinion in that piece. These evildoers, Russia, the evildoers. Anyone pro-Putin is bad. Anyone uh, pro-Biden or pro-NATO is good. Interesting how that works. There was somebody else that said this is, you know, this is a political war. It, it certainly is. Because when this thing escalates, we're not going to be asked. We're just going to be hit with something, and then we're going to retaliate like we've been doing since World War II. World War II was the last time our United States Congress has declared war on anyone. There are some that are saying that all this military equipment, all this stuff we're sending over to Ukraine is just stuff we were going to get rid of anyway. So, you know, we're just dumping our garbage over in Ukraine. That's possible, but it still works, and it's uh, (laughs) still killing Russian soldiers, and they're not going to look too kindly on us, you know. So, what do you guys think? What do you guys think? If you're listening to this on YouTube, leave us a comment. If you're listening to on Apple, leave us a review. Let us know. You know, email truepodcast, T-R-U-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Send us an email. And I'll read it here on the next podcast. All right, so this Sunday, folks, 
Sunday at 9.45, we're going to have a discussion over on the YouTube channel. It'll be over on Rumble and Facebook at True Podcast. Or, I'm sorry, over on Facebook at Truman's Town Hall Podcast, that Facebook page. I'll share it from the Red Roosters page. If you don't know who the Red Rooster is, it's Waylon, the Red Rooster Fortner. He's a minister of the Lord, and we talk all kinds of things Bible. Last time we, uh, we've actually skipped a couple weeks, but we talked baptism and what that means. This week, I think we're going to dive into Revelations. I'm Catholic, right? And Waylon, he is uh, a non-denominational. He he calls himself a mutt, but he, he's he's non-denominational. He doesn't have a denomination that he he follows. He actually preaches at a Baptist church. He used to preach at uh, I believe it was a uh, Church of God of the Mountain Assembly, and it was Church of God of the Union Assembly, and a whole bunch of other places. He's very dynamic, very good. I happen to agree with the Red Rooster quite a bit, not just because I grew up with him in my hometown of Heber Heights, but because he preaches the Word of God straight from the Bible. Anyway, enough of that. Join us Sunday, 9.45 p.m. Eastern over on YouTube, Matt, in parentheses, Doc Truman. I'll put that link in in the description here. Uh, You can... You can even join the, the, the live discussion if you want to. We don't care if you're a Christian. We don't care if you're agnostic, atheist, Muslim, uh, Hindu, Sikh. I, we really don't just come on, talk about God, whatever you want to do. You can join in. We'll send you a link. I mean, if you get out of hand, we're going to cut you off and block you. But <laughs> I don't think that would happen, right? It might get heated, and there might be some spirited debate on on what goes on. Who knows? Join us Sunday. Anyway, there's that little caveat. I I find it so intriguing. Uh, Glenn Beck, I like the guy. I think I think he he has some good things to say. Um, I've read some of his books and things. Um, but another person that I like is Doctor Taylor Marshall. He's a conservative Catholic guy, and he has a YouTube channel. You can check it out as well. Um, But he was on the Glenn Beck program talking about the Catholic Church and the Vatican and and different things like that. It's about 20 minutes long. Is that cool to everybody? I know. I play long audio stretches on this podcast, but I think they're important. I think they're interesting. So I want to share them with you. I don't necessarily always share it on the Facebook page or Instagram or wherever we're at, Rumble, YouTube. Uh, But I'm going to share it with you right here on this podcast. So without further ado, here it goes. Dr. Taylor Marshall and Glenn Beck discussing Catholicism. And uh, the title of this video, you can check it out. Heck, I'll put it in the description too. How Vatican City's Dark Secrets Are Relevant to You. Dr. Taylor Marshall is uh, with us now, the author of Infiltration, um, uh, the infiltration of the Catholic Church, the plot to destroy the church from within. This is a universal story now. Um, Doctor, welcome to the program. How are you? 
I'm great. Thanks for having me on, You bet. Um, so we follow your, your work a great deal because you talk uh, about other things other than um, um, Catholic things. But I want to make sure that people understand right from the beginning, we are not taking on the Catholic Church, and this is not a Catholic bash session. No, not at all. I'm, uh, I consider myself a, a Catholic. I attend Mass every day, sometimes more. Uh, I have a beautiful Catholic family. We have eight children, Jeez. and uh, I, I love Christ. I, I love I love the church, and uh, that that bothers me that there's these wolves in sheep's clothing, in shepherd's clothing, even uh, doing horrible things to children, to bank finances, to right. all kinds of scandals. And I think that the answer is is just to shine light on it and to expose it. Uh, and so that we can have some true change and get things back on track the way God wants it. Right. And there's going to be a lot of Catholics that listen and will hear you, uh, like Nancy Pelosi, <laughs> uh, who consider themselves Catholic, uh, that will disagree strongly with some of the things that you're saying. But I think that's the point. Um, because there is this kind of feeling among Catholics um, about Pope Francis. Is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? I, I don't know if we'll ever get to that question, but I want to talk about Pope Benedict because this was very bizarre when Pope Benedict resigned. I think it was the first time, right? Where he resigned in... Well, it's the it's first time in 597 years. <laughs> okay. So it's been a while. It's All a right. pretty rare event, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, and when he resigned, it seemed very odd at... The, it, it was um, preceded by European banks pulling the plug on the Vatican Bank, right? Yeah, that's that's correct. Well, actually, if we go back just a little bit more, a few months before the Vatican Bank having a, a kind of a meltdown, there was the, the butler of Pope Benedict. His name was Paolo Gabrielli, and he was leaking documents to the press and to journalists, and, and no one knew how this was happening, and finally he was caught. He pled guilty, and he was sentenced to prison uh, in the Vatican, and Pope Benedict oddly pardoned him. And that led to a whole investigation that was that was headed up by Benedict, a secret investigation. Three cardinals did it, and they presented to him. Their sources say one or two red binders of all kinds of filth in it, uh, bank scandals. Uh, there's rumored to be pictures of cardinals in drag in those binders, oh all kinds gosh. of nasty things. And that all happened in December of 2012. And then January 1st of 13, the, the Vatican museums cannot process money. The ATM machines in Vatican City stopped working. And shortly thereafter, we have the announcement of Pope Benedict that he's going to resign. The very next day, all those banking problems were fixed. They were resolved. And by the way, that night that Pope Benedict announced that he was going to resign, that's the night when the lightning struck the Vatican, which everyone noticed, which was a, a sign for a lot of people. So so this is right along the lines of what we're seeing in the deep state in the United States. We are seeing with the World Economic Forum, which I know you are very well aware of. Um, are you... Are you... Is there any evidence that this banking thing was to put pressure on the Pope, get out. I think so. And and the reason for this, and, and you say deep state, and, and I really think we need to, everyone needs to put in their vocab, deep church. The same thing happening in the state is happening in the church. We, call, we can refer to deep state and we can refer to deep church. And it is not just the Catholic church. These people have been working it's, it's behind everywhere. the scenes for years. Yes, and 
And, and you got to remember that the, the, the Vatican is unique in that the Vatican is its own nation. It's called a city-state. It has its own sovereignty. Uh, technically, Vatican City does not belong to Italy. It's its own right. micro-country. And as a micro-country, it has its own bank. Now, I just want the listeners to think about this. If you are a drug runner, a human trafficker, a mob boss, your biggest problem is what do you do with all this money? You've got to launder. You've got to get it into legit means and move it around, right? And what if there were a bank on earth that belonged to a micro nation that was not regulated by the EU, that was not regulated or audited by anyone on the outside? Well, there is that bank in the world, and that bank is called the Vatican Bank. And so every crony on earth wants a piece of that bank because you can legitimize illegitimate money. And that's why the Vatican Bank has had a, had a problem of scandals almost every five to ten years since the 1960s. The temptation to use that Vatican Bank is, is high, and, it, and the temptation for corrupt cardinals in the church mm. to let people get their fingers into that pie is also very high. And that's only one piece of this whole puzzle. But I think that helps people understand why the Vatican Bank is constantly plagued with scandals. Okay, so... Let me make sure I understand the good guy here. Benedict, is it your thesis that Benedict uh, was working to end all that corruption and expose it, and possibly even his butler was being used by Pope Benedict to uh, to out all of this stuff? Uh, and go ahead. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, those are questions that we're, we're still trying to figure out. And I, I want to be very careful not to say, you know, Pope Benedict was the, you know, super saint mastermind playing 4D chess. I mean, this is an old man who's in his 80s. And, I mean, it's very few of us have had the experience of being old and tired and surrounded. And so I, I, I don't think we can make it just as easy as, as the good guys and the bad guys here. But definitely Pope Benedict was doing investigations, and, and he appointed a man who's become very famous in the last few years, Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano. I love him. To audit. Yeah, he's great. He's just, he, he's a good guy. He appointed him uh, back in, I think it was 2009. He appointed him um, Secretary General of the Vatican City Governorate. And this is sort of a, a ruling body and he wanted him to look into the financial accountability of the Vatican Bank. And as soon as he was hired by Benedict for this job, he found a, a negative deficit of the equivalent of $10.5 and then found in a surplus of, of random money that was in various bank accounts of $44 million. He did that in just 12 months, Vigano did which shows you that the people who were already in there were playing fast and loose with the accounting. So Vigano exposed that. Immediately, he was being called out by his superiors, uh, some cardinals. Uh, I won't go into all the names, but if you want them, I can give them to no, you. No, that's all right. And he, he got in big trouble. And so what did uh, Benedict do? 
he took vegan and said, okay, look, you're in hot water here. I'm going to transfer you to be the apostolic nuncio, the ambassador to America, Washington, D.C. Now I want you to go and do an audit on the American bishops and the American Catholic Church. That's what Vigano did, and guess what? He uncovered the Cardinal McCarrick scandal. Cardinal McCarrick was the Archbishop of D.C. who was molesting children, embezzling money, just a wicked Judas of a man. Vigano exposed that, and then, of course, Vigano has spent the last five years pointing the finger at Francis for corruption. So all these characters are woven together. It's a pretty small world in the Vatican. So um, let me switch topics here and kind of go to what happened um, what yesterday or day before uh, unprecedented a pope writes a, a, a book uh, and it is held until after his death and he just exposes some really nasty things and i want to get into your thoughts on that what did he say why did he wait uh and what is going to be the fallout from it and what should it teach for everybody else in all of our churches that aren't catholic so it was a tell-all memoir, uh, and it was, it's a book of uh, really unexpected revelations, and it came from the Vatican. It came from the archbishop was, who was the right-hand man of uh, Pope Benedict, and it was supposedly written by the two of them, I think, uh, or Pope Benedict, and uh, it exposes all of the things Pope Benedict wanted to expose and it's some nasty expose um never really done before am i right yeah this this is as far as i know never been done there, there was a a rumor that pope benedict was going to release his final spiritual testimony after he died and after he died it came out and it was everybody said it was a nothing burger you know it kind of reminisced about his childhood and his family yeah and then yesterday and the day before this book dropped it's in italian I actually have an advanced English copy of it. I don't know if it's official or not, but you know, I'll just read you a section from it. This is Pope Benedict. He says, quote, In several seminaries, homosexual clubs were formed, which acted more or less openly and which clearly changed the atmosphere in seminaries. In a seminary in southern Germany, candidates for the priesthood and candidates for the lay office of pastoral contact lived together. And he goes on, and he, he talks about also the American bishops and how they sort of lost their their vision for the gospel, uh, for assisting the poor, for preaching the truth, drawing people to Jesus Christ, and inst instead kind of just became, uh, not in his, his words, but sort of the chaplains to the Democratic Party, you know, the, the woke agenda, the great And this kind of makes sense. I mean, if you're Satan, uh, you want to be in the highest corridors of power, and that has to do with both religion and politics. And uh, there was a, a woman named Bella Dodd, who in the 50s said she was a communist operator and she had a big conversion. And she said that she had placed over a thousand communist men in the seminaries. That was back then. So th this kind of thing was happening. And it's, it's just like we have the deep state. Right. This is the deep church. So Pope Francis recently came out and said the devil is among us. Um, and he has talked about a great evil. Uh, it sounds like this is what Benedict was also warning against, but I don't think they see things the same way, or do they? 
Well, I liked your comment that you made last week. Uh, they're both talking about the devil. They're both talking about evil, but they seem to be pointing at one another. Right. I think that's. I think your observation there was, was a good one. I think there's definitely a war in the Vatican, and I, I, this kind of goes back to the '60s. There was this council. You mentioned it in your video too about a bad council, a bad mass, third secret of Fatima. But in the 1960s, there was the second Vatican council from 1962 to 1965. It was super optimistic um you know this is the era of color tv and moon landings and all yeah. that and there's this idea we need to make christianity we need to make catholicism groovy <laughs> you know like, and that's gotta, exactly the right word too because it's just yeah. those kind of churches are just as hip as groovy is <laughs> yeah they work just as well yeah you know, and so there's this idea we can update and make things cool. So we'll change the liturgy, we'll change the hymns, we'll change the art, we'll make things modern. And we'll, what we'll do is, is we'll just give a facelift to Catholicism so it's not medieval with incense right. and bells and robes. And we'll just be really cool. Well, there's been this battle for the past 60 years on whether that is an actual uh, improvement or if it's been <laughs> detrimental mm -hmm. and it goes hand in hand with the global political agenda should we be on board i mean should we be downplaying abortion downplaying gay marriage down you know and this has been the battle and the lines are kind of drawn along that fault line and i think benedict XVI, as a young man was a little bit more liberal and more modern as he aged as he was a pope he he's turned the wheel right Francis has always been a South American liberation theology, radical Jesuit mm. modernist. And that's just who he is. And he hasn't, if anything, he's only gotten more and more leftist the longer he lives and the longer he's Pope. So, and so go, ahead, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. So, so by having these two camps, you're, and you see also like Pope Francis, for example, is trying to ban the traditional Latin mass. He doesn't like it when priests wear Catholic. He doesn't like the Gregorian chant. He doesn't like the old stuff. And he's very much on board with, like, you know, the vaccine and the green theology and the great and He sends representatives to Davos. I mean, this is his worldview. And so when he talks about the devil, I'm not so sure he's talking about the same person that Benedict's talking about. Right. So when I was at the Vatican, this is under Benedict, um, I had no idea why they did this. It was a surprise to me. But I was allowed to go into the secret archives with the chief archivist and the uh, head of the university. Both of them were the, you know, uh, counselors to the Pope at the time. And uh, they talked about uh, a, a war in the Vatican. And... Uh, it, it was described to me later by a, a cardinal as really, truly a civil war. And they were saying it is the soul of the church. And, you know, we kind of hope Benedict wins, but it's not, uh, it's not clear at all. It was shortly after that that Benedict retired. Um, and it seemed like, almost in retrospect, almost as if the cardinals knew this could be a possibility that he would either be killed or he would have to retire. Evil is becoming more and more clear, at least to me it is. 
And I, before we go on to the war that's going on uh, in the deep church, um, Archbishop Vigano uh, at one point here recently called out George Soros, Klaus Schwab, and Bill Gates. And this is the guy who was calling out all the pedophiles and, and the banking scandals. Why did he call those three out? In today's world, the future can seem unnerving. Have you tried to buy groceries lately? What do you do with your hard-earned savings? Well, as time goes on, we see that the deep church and the deep state, the puppet strings all lead back to the same fingers. So, of course, Bill Gates, Klaus Schwab, the, the usual suspects. Because you have to realize that the most powerful people in the deep state, the most the, the billionaires and the and the technology giants, they have a strategy not just for politics but also for economics. They have a policy and they have a policy for religion. I mean, all the great tyrants have to also control religion. I mean, this is this has to be done. This is thought control, and the most powerful thoughts that people have and the most powerful feelings they have are almost always associated to their religion, to their faith, to their convictions, and so this has to be controlled. And Correct. you know, the biggest united religion on earth is catholicism with a very centralized nervous system in vatican city so of course they're going to go after that and i and archbishop vigano who worked in the vatican who exposed ex, uh, corruption in the vatican bank who worked in washington dc mm. he knows he knows the clintons he knows the obamas he knows all of these people, and he's met every single Catholic bishop in America and all the cardinals in America. He has the receipts. And so he's in a very unique position, perhaps more than anyone else alive, to have worked in Vatican, in D.C., and to see all these things he, routing. He is uh, he, he's very clear on good and evil, and... He didn't he say this is a one world government that is being built by those uh, people in the WEF and it is one world religion and everything else. That's what he's really warning about, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, and he he was sending warnings to uh, President Trump uh, during the campaign. In fact, he even sent a message uh, during one of the major rallies that I, I read from the Supreme court steps on behalf of Archbishop Deacon. How does this relate, what's going on and being exposed in the Vatican to all of our other churches? Well, I think it, like it goes back to thought control. They want to control our actions. They want to control our words. You know, if you say certain things, you're going to be canceled. Just look what Elon Musk has exposed in the past several months. Uh, and then they want to ultimately control your thoughts. You know, we often, people know about the book of Revelation and the mark of the beast, 666 on the forehead, you know, and all that. Mm -hmm. Think about the significance of the forehead. I mean, that is branding the sign of the devil upon your mind. You know, the, this, yes, there, there very much could be a physical manifestation of, of, a, of a sign on your forehead, but ultimately evil wants to take ownership and brand your mind. And control your thoughts, and that's where all the tentacles are reaching. Is complete thought control. You will own nothing. You will have nothing of your own. You won't even have your thoughts. And allegedly, we're going to be happy. Is what they tell us at the Great Reset. 
And that's actually it's actually in their uh, in one of their videos that even your even your thoughts, your dreams will be known. So you really will not control your thoughts or be in charge of your thoughts. You won't know which are your thoughts or their thoughts. It's really spooky. And that's ultimately the mark of the beast right there. Yes, it is. You have 666 on your forehead, literally. And it, I mean, whether it's a contraption, whether it's I don't, a tattoo, I mean, we debate that all day, but the, the significance of it is that your mind belongs to evil. And is there any doubt in your mind that that this is actual evil like we probably haven't seen since maybe the 1930s and 40s any doubt in your mind there's no doubt in my mind there's no doubt the powers I mean, back then they had machine guns and planes now we have technology you know now we, we people can spy on you through your phone they can spy on they can control so much and that hasn't yet been tested by tyrants with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And so now we're starting to experience it. Thank you so much, uh, Doctor. I hope we get a chance to uh, meet soon. I'd love to have you back and talk about the World Economic Forum and the things that you know about that that I might have missed. Um, you you spread a lot of good um, in the world with your your podcast. So thank you so much. Likewise. Thank you, Glenn. You bet. Bye-bye. There you have it. I, I appreciate you guys. If you made it through that and you made it to this point in this podcast, I appreciate you listening to all of it. Uh, that was Glenn Beck and Dr. Taylor Marshall. Uh, he's Taylor Marshall's the author of the book Infiltration. Uh, he also has a podcast, Dr. Taylor Marshall Podcast. And obviously that was Glenn Beck from Blaze Media. I thought that was a great discussion. Um, pretty, pretty intense, pretty in-depth. And obviously Dr. Taylor Marshall is a conservative Catholic like myself. So I wanted you to hear it. I thought it was, <laughs> I, I know, I played long clips on the podcast and I hope you enjoy it because I don't have the the real brain. Sometimes I do, sure. I like short videos and comedy and different things like that. But a lot of times you need to go in depth on certain things. So I'll end it with this. I went to the state capitol, Ohio State Capitol, and watched the session of Congress, watched the session of our House legislature uh, vote or, yeah, <laughs> vote on a rules package, and also who's going to get what committee, who's going to be the House whip, who's going to be the majority whip, assistant majority, all this stuff. There was a big hubbub. Right? A huge hubbub and a big uproar and an objection. If you don't know, uh, the House is ran by the Re Ohio Republicans, but there's a little rift there. There's the moderate Republicans who now own the House, essentially. There was a 
They they call it the Gang of Twenty Two, who overtook by partnering with Democrats in the House in Ohio to overtake the Speaker of the House, who is now Jason Stevens. And he kind of ignored an objection. There's some folks wanting to offer up some amendments. So there's a little audio I captured from my time at the state house and let me let me say this I am going to be a fixture at the Columbus State House fortunately I my employment uh, doesn't require a lot of time because I get it over I work 12 hour days so you can do the math on a 40 hour work week um, sometimes there's overtime but you know I make a living. That's that's really all I wanted. I'm, I want to provide for my family and uh, pay attention to what's going on. I have it that way. That's why I appreciate you listening to this podcast. And that's why I do this podcast so I can get it out to you. And that's why I'm going to be a fixture at the State House in Ohio. Much like I pay attention to what happens in my hometown. I pay attention to the township I live in, but I moved to a township for a reason. Right? I pay attention. But there isn't all this fiasco. This is like my hometown politics right here. It's now bled into the state house. And in Huber Heights, my hometown, there's an election coming up. And it doesn't appear that there's many folks running for office. It appears that they're so far, I mean, there's a few more days left. 
February 1st is the last day to turn in your signatures to run for office in Huber Heights. So in Huber Heights, you have at-large, Ward 1, Ward 2, and Ward 6. And for at-large, is Tracy Dudley. That's the person on the Montgomery County Board of Elections website running unopposed. And she resigned her seat a few years back when Team Huber, if anybody from Huber's listening, they know who Team Huber is. She resigned her seat and left and, and, and went on her way, never to be heard of again until now, which is rather odd. How did that happen? <laughs> and then you have District 1, uh, the person that's pulled petitions there, not certified, right? None of these are certified or for sure candidates, but District 1 is Scott A. Davidson who is a damn fine mechanic, business owner. They also run nonprofits. And it, for me personally, it was very sad to see the mayor of Huber Heights over at his announcement party because I spoke to his wife um, I, I, through text message or messenger or whatever. No, I spoke to her on the phone because she called me about something. Um, that I won't divulge here on the podcast, but it was a personal matter. And I explained to her how that mayor screwed over a bunch of veterans running a nonprofit and they run nonprofits, yet they partner up with this mayor. That was very disappointing. I would, I took my truck up there once, have it worked on because I wanted to support people that I care about. I could have took my truck to anywhere. I have a uh, account over at uh, a local auto shop. I could have took that, took my vehicle over there. I didn't. I chose them and and paid cash um, because I wanted to support them. And I went out to Walmart one day. Uh, okay, I'm not going to get into any of that. But uh, yeah, that was disappointing to see them partner up with <laughs> with the mayor. But he's running for Ward One. Uh, Don Webb is running for Ward Two. Uh, nice guy. And when I was running a nonprofit, I supported his business because I believe in supporting local business. I mean, oh, well, I'm not going to get into the semantics of it. And then Ward 6, Brian Looney. I know his family. I went to school with his sister. Brian went to school with my brother. Yeah. So he, he seems like a good guy, but I'm hearing rumors that he's linked up with this mayor. This mayor wants to control, the Huber Heights mayor wants to control every aspect. And everybody that falls in line with this mayor, guess what? You're going to be controlled. Unless you're going into it with an independent mind and you don't mind bucking the system. And you want right. You want things that are right for the city. Infrastructure. City services. I mean... That's what cities are meant to spend their money on. Yet this mayor and his crew, who I've deemed Team Heights, they want to buy land. They want to be in control of everything, run city businesses. It's just, I mean, in a city of 40,000 folks, 
their budget is a hundred million dollars. Wow. Outrageous. And they're going to come after the folks for more taxes because they're going to spend it. And they're going to say, oh, well, we need more cops. We need more firemen. Yet they're spending all this money from their general fund and creating TIF districts, which if you don't know, it's a tax increment financing where you separate a portion of land and all that tax money goes into a separate pot and you can spend it on what? Infrastructure. Yet they build buildings for entertainment or they build a pool that makes no money, that loses money. And they do all these things and then they want you to pay more and more. And then they're going to tell you, well, it's for the cops. And then these people partner up with them. Oh, my goodness. Huber Heights, wake up. Oh, my Lord. I, but you can't wake Huber Heights up. They're blind. I've been trying for years. Like, wait, what are you doing? Why are you guys following these imbeciles who can't even make it in the real world and in the political world? They BS you to death and then end up costing you more money. They lose <laughs> It's crazy how they lose money in the real world. Then they come into politics and lose money for the citizens and they get real. I don't understand it. But the residents of Huber Heights, for some reason, don't want to wake up to this fact. It's fact. Anyway, <laughs> there it is. I may have more to say on this subject. Once the petitions are filed, once there's a a settled candidate list, but that's what we know so far in Hebrides. And I'll pay attention to what's going down in the state house. Oh yeah. Uh, the former speaker of the house in Ohio householder is in a trial right now, down in Cincinnati. I may pop in there too. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I enjoy this stuff on my free time. People ask me all the time. My son asked me the other day, dad, why are you into this stuff? My oldest son, why do you get into politics so much? I'm like, you're into cars and the things that you're into. This is just my thing. I enjoy telling people what's going on in the world around them because it's important. We pay taxes to these people. They use our money for <laughs> wars, okay? whether it's a political war or it's a full-on World War III like we're about to get into. It's important to pay attention, folks. Um, anyway, there's that. Hey, Huber folks, if you want term limits, I had some folks that were interested, but it, it kind of just faded in the breeze. We took a break for Christmas, and then, you know, people just stopped communicating. I don't know. Or maybe it's just me. Maybe, I don't know. Communicate with me. I, I would love to see term limits in Hebrew Heights. Oh, well, I, I won't work on it. I, I mean, I don't live there no more, so I don't have to. But I was willing to help. I'm willing to help. Truepodcast at gmail.com. Matt in parentheses, Doc Truman. Truman's Town Hall Podcast, all that good stuff. We'll talk to you later, folks. Until next time, I'm Matt Truman, and you are a great person for listening to this podcast if you made it this far. <laughs> Talk to you later. Run that ad.